Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next uh, podcast, Bible study gathering. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier, and, and, and they uh, they were basically just pouring out on me the things they didn't like about me and this podcast and everything. But one thing I gleaned from them is that, uh, you know, they said this isn't really a Bible study, and, and that's true. I've thought that several times. It, we, we talk about religious things, and we, we try to have conversations, sort things out, and answer people's questions. I didn't start it. I wasn't the one that called it a Bible study, and I, I tried today to go back and even change the name a little bit so it made more sense to what we're doing, but I haven't figured it out yet, but I will. Uh, that's my first lesson for you tonight, as that truck goes rumbling by behind me. My first lesson for you tonight is you can learn something from anybody. Even if you just learn how to not act or how to not be or or uh, learn something about yourself or what they perceive about you or uh, just be listening. Don't just be defensive. And sometimes something rises up in you. You just want to get your point in there and stab them with a knife and make a make a sharp jab and feel like you really accomplished something. But it's better to listen. And uh, that is a point that we're going to be working on. Um, this is actually podcast number 13, and this is my second attempt at this same material. So this piece of material is going to show up out of place probably in the podcast unless I can figure out how to line them back up correctly. The reason for that is the first time I made a huge mistake. And uh, I did something very stupid, and I hurt some people that I care about. And I wish I could go back and do it over again, but I can't. So I'm going to make right the things that I can make right. Um, I used people's names and I used parts of different movements and fellowships and things and I named them and and uh, I got some information from some people and I didn't fact check it very well and um, because the reason, and I'm not going to give myself a pass here, the reason I didn't fact check it very well is because what they told me, it fit my narrative really well. So... I accepted it at face value because it was in my favor, and uh, it was it was it was horrible. It was a disgusting mistake, and um, I, I want to sincerely apologize for it. I know some people I, I've hurt them so bad, and and who knows how long that'll go on for. But um, it was it was absolutely wrong. This this thing was supposed to be better than this, and uh, we were on track for a while answering questions, doing good, and I started trying to, you know, take the more radical side of the people pushing us and asking the questions, and and uh, that's that's not what this needs to be about, and I'm, I'm going to get it back on track here, but if you can learn anything else from me in this particular podcast besides listen more than you just start running your mouth, is be a man, be a woman, be mature. Own your mistakes. I've made lots and lots of mistakes. I hate my mistakes. I really do because I'm, I'm, I'm better at doing stupid things than I am seemingly about accomplishing things. And people want to point to all of our ministries and how much money we've given different ones and all these different things. But it doesn't matter. You can tear all that down in a moment's time just with the bumping of your gums, with the lack of wisdom. Probably one of my greatest weaknesses I would put on myself is a horrible lack of wisdom. I'm not afraid to run out there and try stuff and do stuff and, and, and make a big deal and lose it all and try again. 
but man, I'd love some more wisdom. And uh, pray for me, and I'll and I'll be praying that God will give me more wisdom. He said He would if I'd ask, and uh, I've asked, maybe not sincerely enough, or maybe I don't listen when He's talking. But uh, please, please don't don't defend my stupidity, and and don't defend your stupidity, and and learn at least maybe this one little lesson here. When you make a mistake, do the best you can. Don't. Don't follow that flesh that says, oh, I, I was doing right, and give yourself excuses. If you did something stupid, you did something stupid. I did, and uh, man, I hate it. And uh, I apologize to the people whose names and places and families that, that I used, and and uh, I'm putting this podcast out again now without all of that. And I, I know they're not going to agree with the material that I put out anyway, but I would rather that they disagreed with the fact that they don't think I believe right then actually give them reason to be hurt and harmed and 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 mad at me and hate me for being wrong and stupid and and uh, and, and and so unwise all of that being said uh, the original title is still the same be careful what you call backsliding um, seems to be a lot of argument, debate, and friction over the things that we've been discussing in hundreds and thousands of, not I didn't say hundreds of thousands, hundreds and thousands of you say you are appreciating and enjoying and learning and all of that um, from these. And then there's dozens of you that are not. And uh, we need to be fair and recognize that what we're doing has its share of why things are like this. I'm not going to sit here and blame all of this on the establishment, though, I have at times past, and that was wrong, and, I, and I'm not going to do that. But I likened it to, uh, you know, getting into a relationship, selling yourself as one particular type of person, and then getting into a, a permanent relationship with somebody, and then changing. Uh, you know, they have a right to be upset uh, if you sold yourself as one person and then became somebody else. You have a right to become somebody else, but you don't have a right to think that they should just automatically go along with it because that's that's not who they got into relationship with. The way I say that is a lot of you, you know, you've joined these churches, you've uh, gone along with this preaching, you've gone along with this teaching, you've measured up to it, and then and then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're deciding or you're finally willing to to do something about it or ask questions about it or whatever, and then you act act like, you know, it's all this horrible thing that they challenge or or don't like or don't accept. But it's not like you went to their church for a while and decided that's not the teaching you like and appreciate, and then you go to a different church, that would be one thing. But if you go to one church and they, they are exactly who they always said they were, and then you're there for long enough and then you want to change, um, it, it makes perfect sense to me that there's there's some of these problems. That said, there's there's been a lot of talk lately about how people have finally decided for the most part that, you know, technically you can wear that and technically you can do that and, and technically that isn't actually a sin if you go there. But if you believed to not do it and then you do it, that is backsliding. That's what I'm being questioned. That's what I'm being asked. To, to talk about um, and and you you know you can be it, it's been said or, or thought or taught that you know the farther 
farther right you are, the better. And if you go left at all of any position that you have to the right, then, you know, that's that's bad. Um, my, my whole point is I, I want everybody to get as biblical as possible, to get as Christ-like as possible. That's what I want. And call it left, right, up, down, whatever you want. But the, the idea that the farther you are, the better you are, I don't, I don't think is necessarily true because maybe, maybe you don't eat out on Sunday because you, uh, you know, that's the Lord's day and you want to respect it and you don't want to buy or eat out on Sunday. And then maybe, you know, to make sure that you don't, you know, gorge and, and build up on Saturday night to get by on Sunday, that makes you feel guilty. So maybe you don't do much on Saturday night or Sunday. And then you come to the conclusion that the Saturday is really the Sabbath and Sunday is really the Lord's Day. So you don't spend money or eat out or do anything on Saturday or Sunday. And then that bleeds over into Friday night like it originally bled over to Saturday night. And uh, pretty soon you're not eating out or buying, spending or anything three days a week, you know, 40% of the week. And you, I know that's that's a crazy an analogy, but that has happened uh, over the over the centuries, and and all it does is create Pharisees. It's it's ungodly. We know it's ungodly uh, because Jesus rebuked him for it. But they did get further and further and further to the right. So if the point is getting more biblical, more Christ-like, then it's not necessarily about direction per se but it is about being closer to God or farther from God so the idea if you were taught that and lived it and then stopped doing it then that is backsliding automatically that's the equation or if you once were convicted of that and and you put it down and now you picked it back up again that's backsliding that's the definition of backsliding uh, I'm I'm here saying that I don't think that's necessarily true. If if what you did was closer to Christ, and then what you're doing now is further from Christ, then yes, that is backsliding, by definition. But if that is not the case, then I'm I'm not sure why we're calling as many things as we're calling backsliding all across the country and all around the world. Um. If you were taught that going to an amusement park, let's say, um, was a sin, and so you don't go down to them at all um, because you do not have a full Christian experience of your own or because you just do what you're told or because you're personally convicted, um, then and, and then you, you finally do say complete your personal relationship or get it uh, your personal relationship changes with Christ or you learn the temptations of the world and how to keep your own heart and you you discover that God you think could care less if you take your grandchildren on a roller coaster or not and then you go ahead and do it I, that's not backsliding alone just by that criteria it is if it got you further from Christ but not the act of taking your grandkids on a roller coaster per se is backsliding. If you're indoctrinated that wearing a wedding band or having a split in your skirt made you a prideful or lustful person and because you did not want to be those things then you abstain from those items and and then at some point you believe that you have learned that 
that Christ wants your heart, mind, body, and soul. And if he has them, then it will guide you and lead you into purity and chasteness and humbleness. And, and that in all reality, you believe that he does not gauge you based upon your how many inches uh, of split is in your skirt. Or possibly you don't think he gauges you even if you're wearing a skirt or not per se, and, and you don't think he, he necessarily gauges you if you're wearing a traditional wedding ring or not. And so you decide to take those bonds off yourself, and you, you, you do those things, what you feel is for the right reasons. I, I, don't, I don't know that you're backsliding by that criteria alone. My reasons are pretty shallow reasons. They are based on my personal life experiences and, and the relationship I've had with Christ. And, and I'll be the first to admit that, but, but let, me, let me present it. As a young man, I worshipped basketball. The sport of basketball was my God growing up. Uh, I didn't just like it or love it or play it or try to be good at it. It, it was my God. We played it every day for years. We stayed up all night many times playing it. We lifted weights. We jumped. We ran. We pushed. We did everything we could to be the best we possibly could be. And I, I was harder on it than, than any of the guys that I ran with. It was all about the, the local rankings and the state rankings and the national rankings and where, we, where I was in, the, in, in, the, in how good everybody thought I was in comparison to everybody else. And I even had a T-shirt that I wore all the time around said, bury me with my basketball just in case. I was making a mockery of God's eternity. And it was, it was over basketball. It was my God against the real God. And when I got saved, I remember I'd been saved just a few months. And uh, my cousin and I were playing basketball with my children and his children. They were five, six, seven, eight, nine years old in that range and I would block their shots and not let them shoot and steal the ball from them and not let them dribble and take all the shots in the game to make sure we won I was we were crushing I was crushing these little kids and finally my cousin stopped the, the game and he said Todd what are you doing these are our children these are our sons we're trying to bond with them we're trying to help them have fun good clean wholesome Christian godly fun with their daddies why why do you have to win why does it matter if you're better than an eight-year-old or whatever it was the age and it, it crushed me it, it broke me right then and I and I realized something terrible about myself I was saved and uh I don't remember sanctified filled with the Holy Ghost I don't I can't remember where that all fell in the timeline but but I knew I was saved but I also knew that my flesh and my heart, my spirit was still not right on some things, and that was definitely one of them. And and I felt like the the Lord was dealing with me at that point. I'm not saying, uh, I don't remember that I think he told me to never touch another basketball or never play again, or, but I know in my heart I felt like I had to stop doing that, uh, that I had to walk away from that and show God that I was willing to live a full and complete whole life without that old God. I just felt convicted. And so every time for years, for years and years, um, we get around people playing basketball. Hey, bro, hey, Todd, come on, let's go. Let's play basketball. Hey, bro, Todd, let's play basketball. And I wouldn't do it. I did not touch. I did not physically touch a basketball for many years. And I was doing it for God. 
I laid that down. Uh, years and years later, uh, as I got older and I was less physically capable and able, and I don't remember the exact incident, but I, I know that some of my kids were older and they were going to the gym and they were playing and they asked me to play and I played and I just, I remember very specifically being so calm, enjoying the game, laughing at my kids and their friends, doing almost all passing, not even shooting or anything. And I realized that the Lord had helped me and he delivered me of that and he broke something in me and that wasn't there anymore. He fixed my heart. I had something bad in my heart and because of that I, I couldn't play basketball for a long, 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 long time. And then I realized he fixed my heart. I let him. I gave that to him. And so since then, there's been lots of times in the last seven, eight, nine years, lots of times that I play basketball, shoot around, play horse, mess around, talk about the good old days and laugh because I'm old and wore out. My back's normally out. Never think nothing of it. I didn't backslide when I picked the basketball back up. God didn't want my basketball. God wanted my heart. And the conviction was from my heart. And it took some physical things from me and from my life. I feel like to prove to God that I was willing to give him my heart. And over time, he fixed my heart. And now, a basketball is not the issue. Saul of Tarsus was indoctrinated to believe that killing Jesus of Nazareth followers was a holy thing. Once he encountered Christ directly, he stopped doing what he was once indoctrinated enough to just blindly and cultically follow. And he actually started doing the very things that he probably swore to never do. And that was going along with the Jesus followers. As a matter of fact, Paul became the primary Jesus follower of his lifetime. Now, according to some, I guess, by definition, Paul backslid because he picked back up that which he had once laid down. Peter rightly would not minister directly to the Gentiles. But at Simon the Tanner's house, he had a direct encounter with Christ, which broke his convictions against doing such. If you read it carefully, you discover that it was quite a battle for him to overcome in his mind. Can you imagine what the other disciples, the other fellow ministers, were going to say about this? I know what they would say. Been there, done that. They would say, Peter's backslid. He's moving the Father's landmarks. Peter didn't move those landmarks. God did. Since I brought it up, let's talk about moving the Father's landmarks for a moment. Proverbs 23 and 10 is one of the most quoted amongst some of the different groups and fellowships that I know of around the country. And I'm, again, I'm not just talking about Pentecostals, I'm not just talking about holiness, but uh, that's, that's a favorite verse of the, um, uh, the UPC groups and different ones. Um, but go back and read it. Don't just keep quoting it over and over and over again. And make it fit your narrative, like I admitted at the beginning of this 
podcast that I have done. Proverbs 23 and 10 is talking about the fatherless and the orphans. So if we're one of the churches that's quoting Proverbs 23 and 10, don't move the Father's landmarks, and we're quoting it more often than almost any other church, and that should mean that we care more about the fatherless and the orphans and are doing more for them than any other church. That's how that verse is to be rightly applied. But I ask you, did, did Paul sin by joining with the Christians? Did Peter backslide by going to the Gentiles? Of course not. Now, somebody will undoubtedly want to say that, you know, so-and-so started going to such-and-such places, and, and, and before long they were out of church altogether, and so-and-so put on a ring or a necklace and, and then, uh, or went to such-and-such place or started going to a certain kind of church with certain fellowship people or started a job around these non-Christian people and, and hanging out with them and going doing things with them. And, and before you know it, they look like Jezebel. Before you know it, they don't go to church. Okay, I've seen that happen. I, that's, I hate that. That is not what I want. But is that what happened to Paul? Is that what happened to Peter? No and no. So this has got to teach us more than just making these lines. What I think it teaches me is that we should probably preach and teach about the biblical roots of backsliding instead of just hammering down sometimes on, on people's symptoms. If we explained it better, taught it better, took more time on it, maybe there would be less questions. If it is in your heart to be worldly, not wearing a watch or wearing a ring or wearing a tie or going to a party or hanging out with unchurched friends, None of that's going to fix your heart. If as soon as you started wearing those things or doing those things or going to those places or going around those people, you get more and more worldly, then I would assume that you were already worldly in your heart. But Paul stopped doing what he was indoctrinated to do. And surely the Pharisees considered him backslid. But he actually got more spiritual, way more spiritual. He got closer and closer to God, and he lived more and more of a conservative lifestyle than ever before. After he broke free from the false components of following Yahweh God, then he lived much closer to Yahweh God. Peter had a similar experience. Once the Lord was able to break him free from the bonds of believing only the components of the religion passed down to him before the fulfillment of Messiah, he was then able to reach far more people and do far more good than the previous constraints from God were going to allow him. Many do not believe that you are capable of doing same and similar things as Paul and Peter. Some still seem to believe the masses to be too ignorant and need to be told exactly what to do, too shallow to unable to come to the right conclusions of their own. Some realize that the power that they have worked their whole lives to have over people will be greatly diminished if the people are each individual allowed to have the true direct connection with Christ that they were supposed to. Some seem to be struggling 
to teach that you need to pray through and you need to get convictions and you need to study the scriptures and you need to live better. That don't, that's the only conclusion I could come to or why are they telling you exactly what you're supposed to know, exactly what you're supposed to do, exactly who you're supposed to know. I wonder what would just, just what would happen if all of those, those kind of church members, those cultish type church members in the whole world, all at one time would allow the Lord to have full control over their lives like he wants to. What kind of a revival would take place? What many people would say, and I guess maybe it's possible, that what would happen is the church would just lose all of its power. But that doesn't measure up to these places I'm seeing in Scripture. First of all, they would no longer continue to prop up all false prophets and fear mongers, thus leaving a void of power that may very well uh, allow for some better teachers and better leaders with purer intentions to come along and help the church at large across the globe. I also believe that if no one will stand for and finance the kind of ministries that that have to tell you where to go and tell you where not to go and tell you what to do and tell you what not to do and what to own and what not to own and who to like and who to not like, that that would leave lots more pulpit time and lectern time for all of the real doctrines and solid teachings that would have been missed for so awful long. And, and I don't say that lightly. I, I, don't, I don't have time on one podcast to tell of all the times that uh, seemingly seasoned saints have come to me. And just, just very, very recently, uh, a lady probably in her 50s maybe, uh, raised in a good, strong church in that particular fellowship, um, been in probably tens of thousands of church service, tens of thousands of Sunday school classes and and maybe pushing 60 years old and asked me very specifically the other day if I could teach her anything about witnessing because she didn't know anything about witnessing one person to another, a saved person to a lost person, giving a testimony one-on-one and in, in public and, and how that would work and what's right and what's not right. Actually, I guess... I. I just believe the Bible so literally that I believe if the same and similar things happen to all of us that happened to Paul and Peter, then we would get the same and similar outcomes. That's what I believe. Our doctrines would get purer. Our messages would reach farther. More people would hear the truth. More miracles would take place. More converts would be won. And God would be much more glorified by the gospel of Jesus Christ spreading across the country and countries and the signs and wonders that he would perform to fuel the fires of that gospel. This would be much more glorious than just a very small handful of people still threatening and attempting to scare people that truly loved God with a misplaced and excessive admiration for a particular list of rules that have been developed over time by mere men. I don't think I'm as foolish as I sound here. I understand the dangers of such teachings as this. I know that some will use it to do their, to go do their worldly deeds and thumb their noses at the preachers. But those worldly things are in their hearts already. 
and they sit there and follow the rules that they don't believe and they can't stand already. I also know that the sin that is in their hearts are sins that they generally do not feel convicted over because thoughts and intents of the heart are rarely preached where extreme rule codes and who you're allowed to fellowship are controlled. There's no need for them. People just do what they're told or they leave. Don't misunderstand me here. I know the hard practices of telling people what to own, where to go, how to look, and who your friends could be, actually started out, I believe this, a lot of my friends do not, but I believe it actually started out as a way for men to attempt to control the holiness of, of God in other men so that they could be purer, that they could live purer, that they could have more pure motives and deeds and more pure outcomes in their lives. But I see a few problems with that. Number one, it didn't work. Number two, it's impossible. Number three, God doesn't appear to have intended it to begin with. As a general rule, so many people in the church seem either confused, afraid, or at least unwilling to get behind the church's agenda. And the church sits weakened and at a crossroads, but poised with a great and grand opportunity to have a true revival of worship, doctrine, and outreach again. But first, we kind of need to decide if it's okay to just get more biblical or not. Is it really worldly or, or compromising to even just be more like Jesus? If it is, we might be doomed to become completely insignificant, as the church seems to be in a lot of times by looking at the political and social agendas that are so predominant. But if it's not, then we might just make room for the things in the church that can make an eternal difference again. And let me show you just a glimpse of what I mean. When congregations are ready to learn and apply, but the preacher still just wants them to hear and respond, Congregations are ready to learn and apply, but the preachers are still stuck on just hear and respond. One makes for great services. The other makes for great Christians, great lives of testimony, longer marriages, better spirits and attitudes. One gathers in and controls. The other sends out and spreads. Just just hear the music and respond to it. Just worship. Just hear the preacher and respond to it. Say amen. Or teach me something so I can go live it in the world. Say to God, I, I, I beg of you to be brave and be bold and be biblical. God's not going to help us if we're not scriptural. And for heaven's sake, do not defend anything that is wrong, unbiblical, or of a bad spirit, even if it's yourself. God bless you.